Thank you, Terry. Choir, praise band, orchestra, soloists, all those that just give their gifts. We give God the glory for all of it, don't we? We do. And then lyrics I could know. He is. See, I was looking at some of that. I can memorize some of those. That's really good. Thank you, those here joining us right here, those watching on simulcast. How many have ever watched our service on simulcast? Just raise your hand. Wow, so many of you. How many of you sleeped over the service? How many? See, for those of you in the simulcast, just as many hands went up. No, just about all of you have watched on the simulcast. That's great. Welcome. We're glad wherever you're watching from, we're blessed you're watching today. Today we continue with the message that has to do with Elijah, one man and his God. Bubba has a little lesson for us today. It's an oldie but a goodie. Seemed that Bubba had some legal problems. Decided what he needed to do. He couldn't figure it out himself. He said, I guess I'll go see a lawyer. So he goes to the lawyer's office, walks in there, sees this plush sofa, beautiful office, wonderful uh, furnishings, everything. Looks beautiful. Goes in for his appointment, sits down and says, Say, buddy, how much you get an hour to talk to people about legal problems? Lawyer looks him straight in the face. He says, we don't charge by the hour. Bubba said, that's good. He says, we charge by the questions. Three questions, $500. $500? Are you crazy? Ain't that too much? Yes, no, no. That'll be $500. <laughs> Oldie but a goodie, right? Fact is, there's a question we all have today. Listen carefully, because no matter what stage you are in life, this question bears listening to because... It affects every single person here and every single person watching. The question is, do you see what? What do you see? Do you see difficulties and opportunities, or do you see opportunities in difficulties? Elijah lived during a day and time where there were difficulties all around. Most people saw difficulties and opportunities. They're hiding in a cave... Elijah's the only one that's out there. Society had gone to Hades in a handbasket. They were teaching perverted things, worshiping all kinds of gods, gotten away from the true and living God, and society just goes along with it. A lot of the people who knew the true and living God went on hiding. Except for Elijah. He saw opportunities and difficulties. And in the opportunities, there are several things we're going to look at today that will affect how you approach life. It will affect how you see difficulties. It will affect how you see opportunities. I submit to you today, as God would have it, going to learn how God can teach us to see opportunities in difficulties. There will be four things we'll look at today that will help us, guide us along that way. So listen carefully, because if you can see opportunity and difficulty, you will have your eyes opened up to many things right around you, right in front of your face. Some of these students in front of me right now are heading back to universities. There's some difficulties there. Most of the people don't believe the worldview that you believe in your college, university, or high school, or middle school. In fact, go back to elementary school. Many of the people in your workplace do not believe your worldview. They talk trash They put things in their bodies that are not good for them. They really have no use for God except using his name in vain. There are many surface Christians and surface religious people out there. 
But God is looking for people who want to be true to him. You see, if he's true and living, it's not a game. It's a real thing. Today, Elijah, one man in God, what do you see? Difficulties and opportunities or opportunities and difficulties. Elijah speaks to King Ahab, most powerful person in his world, in 1 Kings 17.1, as the Lord God of Israel lives. He believed that God was alive. He was enamored with God's aliveness. The God who he served, he believed he was God's representative. Then he comes up with this. This is not good news if you're living in an agrarian society. The very culture, all the financial issues revolve around agriculture. Life does. He says to him, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Pretty arrogant thing, don't you think? That's not good news to the king. The king, it doesn't say in the next verse, then the king jumped up and down and said, great, don't have to cut the grass as much, right? <clears throat> not good news. But the fact is, and you have to ask yourself the question, where did Elijah get such an idea? What happened? Many of you sitting right here right now say, well, God didn't say, but he must appear to him in a vision and told him to do that or have that. We don't have that in Scripture, but I can show you what we do have in Scripture. I will show you today... How Elijah, sitting there as God's representative, decided somebody needs to do something. And stop pushing it off on someone else next year, next time, next person, next thing, next opportunity. And just said, you know what? I need to seize this thing. Show you where he got the idea. He got it from what God had already promised. You see, he knew God's promises. It says in Deuteronomy 11, 6, 11 16, and 17 written way before Elijah gets in to this situation with Ahab and Israel. The word of God told him, be careful, or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. We're living in a crisis like that in our nation right now. People are bowing down to the God of feelings, the God of everybody's right, the God of, well, just about anything goes. Redefining moral systems, redefining relationships, redefining marriage, redefining God, redefining the church, redefining the Word of God. We're living in such times like Elijah, worshiping all kinds of other gods. But there is only one true and living God, period. The Word of God tells us as such. It says, Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce. And you will soon perish for the good land the Lord is giving you. From the good land the Lord is giving you. Elijah knew God's word. And God had told Israel, after he had done so much for them, has God done much for you? Evidently not. Yes, thank you. He has. First of all, when you woke up today, it was a gift. Secondly, if you understand that God loves you, and by his grace and mercy, he went to a cross. Nails didn't hold him there. His love and grace for you held him there. He loved us so much, that's what held him to the cross. He could have come off the cross. He could have called one angel and had everyone just slain right there. But he had to do something to defeat our biggest enemy. The biggest enemy wasn't Rome. It wasn't the religious system. The biggest enemy is sin. And Jesus conquered sin and death because when he bled and died, he paid for the sins of the world. Every sin you and I have ever done, past, present, and future. He suffered, bled, and died for that. 
When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's at that moment in all of history that that relationship, God, one God revealed in Father, Son, and Spirit was broken, and he suffered our hell, separation from God. That's what biblical death is. They put him in the tomb three days later. He came out of the tomb. He conquered sin and death, offers eternal life as a gift. You receive him as your Savior. Then you also receive him as your Lord simultaneously. He's both. As your Savior, a religion can't save you. Your own subjective thoughts can't, but he can and he did. And as your Lord, to serve him out of thankfulness and obedience and loyalty. There was such a man who was loyal that knew God's word, read God's word, and decide, I'm going to go and claim God's promise. I'm going to go under God's direction and tell somebody that could kill me the truth. We're missing that in our world, by the way. Let's look at Elijah's resources. First of all, he had the word of God. Look what it says. In Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. It's not dead and inactive. It's living if we use it and we claim it and we believe it. God's not looking for theory people. He's looking for people to understand the theory and carry it out in action. Remember from last week, speak the truth. Let God handle the consequences. That's what Elijah did. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God is where people, and I'm talking about people that are even in evangelical churches, have lost it. There's biblical literacy in our world, yes, but there's biblical literacy in our church because many churches are filled with closet atheists and agnostics. You see, he had the courage and conviction to do something about the world. He wasn't throwing stones in darkness, wasn't complaining about his school, his workplace, the neighborhood, the family. There are people in this room right now in last hour, listen, whose family don't want, they won't speak to him anymore, who write ugly things on social media because of their stand on the Word of God, because they're considered intolerant, they're considered not with it. They're considered that that generation, those people don't, they'll pass away and we'll finally take over the world. We'll all be happy because we'll believe everybody's right and we'll all be okay. We'll break down borders of the world. We'll break down religion of the world. We'll make it just one religion and everyone will finally be happy and they avoid the biggest issue plaguing mankind. You can break down every border. You can say everybody's right and all that and you're still going to have sin, won't you? We've tried every experiment over the course of human history thus far to try and do away with the issue of sin. And see, just like back in that day and time, or like it was in the days of Noah, people did what was right in their own eyes. There was no more sin. Whatever's right in your eyes, it's okay. And we live in that world today. But you see, people still ask the question, what's wrong with the world? I had someone ask me that as I sat around a table with a group of people in a local coffee place this past week. I said, the person comes to the table out of the blue and says, what's the biggest problem plaguing our world today? What would you have said? I'm sitting there. Someone said sin. That's a good answer too. But they knew there was sin. They wanted to know what, what's an ultimate answer to it. And so in that pregnant pause that existed, God's Spirit said to me, tell them, what the, tell them what the biggest problem is. I said, unbelief. Just left it like that. 
What do you mean? Ha ha ha. Ha ha. Unbelief. Two things. First of all, the two things. First of all, people who truly believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior wouldn't do the kinds of things we've been talking about and hearing about around this table and that you're asking about. Secondly, the biggest problem we have, the biggest thing plaguing the world is sin. And sin separates us from God. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of the world. I was able just to explain the plan of salvation probably in 35, 40 seconds. Right? Right there. Bink. Right there. I'm not telling you that because I like to disagree or put something out there so people can say, that man's a nut. But God has taught me not to go and gravitate to the feelings because I have a lot of feeling in me, personality and temperament. And I would like for everyone to like me. Isn't that pathetic? But I would. More importantly, though, what God has taught me, I want to have the respect of what is true and right. I want to honor God. You see, that's a road I've had to learn about and to walk on. And sometimes that means family, friends, members of churches, members in the community may tolerate you, but they don't like you. And I know that. I know when people say certain things, how to take it. I get it. I know certain people think I've wasted my life doing studying the Bible. Have you really spent all of your life studying the Bible? You idiot. I mean, did you? Well, I'm still spending my life. They think you can learn it all in like a week. I, 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 you know, I know less and less about more and more. There's a lot there. You see, Elijah had God's word and he knew God's word. Do you know God's word? Do you read God's word? Do you get up and look at it? Do you wake up saying, God, I'm your representative. What do you have for me today? Not the momentum of what God did for you last week, yesterday, the day after tomorrow. Not here yet. Don't know God's power. Elijah believed what God had promised he could perform. Do we believe what God has promised he would perform? Do we believe he's go with us when we go to be a witness? I will be a witness. You will be a witness. We'd receive power. We don't, I guess we don't believe it. Statistics tell us evangelicals don't believe it because so few are out there being a light. Today, at the end of the service, by the way, there's cards up here. It says, be a guest of. It's an opportunity. I want to connect a literal thing in any hand that would want to take two or three of these to say, God, if there's an opportunity, I want to connect people that way. Just to give, be a guest of card. I'll talk a little bit about it later. So I don't want to throw stones in darkness myself, give you a message, say, what do you do? There's a million other ways to talk to people about Jesus. This is just one. It's a tangible thing. But look, let's talk about the power of God and the power of God's word. Have you ever thought about it where it says in the word of God in the book of Genesis, and God said, look at it for just a moment with me, would you? It says in Genesis 1:24, and God said, and what happened when God says something? It says, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to his kind. And then what does it say? And it was so. God said it and it happened. The fundamental difference 
in who we are and many of the people that exist in our world, they believe it just happened by some explosion or some other way. I know people listening right now, some are turning off their simulcast. They pass, we told you not to talk about anymore. With all due respect, talk about something else. No, God said he created it. And the problem these students have in the universities near school is they have people with degrees saying, no, he didn't. Who do you believe and what do you believe? God said it and it happened. As strange as that sounds, believe me, it's way more bizarre to think that you have a bird called an albatross. An albatross is 39 inches long. Many of their wingspans reach to 10 feet. It's incredible. Anyone ever seen one? Pretty impressive, aren't they? Were you flying when you saw that happen? Yeah, no, you don't want to hit one. He said he's a pilot. <laughs> no, you don't want to hit one. Take your plane down. But in that giant structure, let me tell you about creation. That's a, that's a pretty big skeletal mass on something that large, isn't it? Three, three feet, three inches long, 10-foot wingspan. It's bone mass. The weight of all the bones in the body of that creature is not six pounds or five pounds, but it's 4.5 to 5.3 ounces. Why? Because God made bones that are hollow, not filled with marrow. It couldn't fly. It'd be too heavy. The feathers of that bird weigh more than the bones of that bird. Isn't that crazy? Mm. That's just kind of an exceptional thing. And listen, there's a trillion more things about that bird you could read about. Well, that's an exception. What about sparrows? Sparrows are incredible. God put an incredible heart in them. I've talked about this before. Their heart right now, they're just sitting on a little branch is beating seven times every second. Now imagine the defibrillators going off in here if that was going on right now, right? <laughs> the only time that happens is right before the offering in here. We see that go up. <laughs> That's, it's, four, it's more than seven times every second because it's 460 beats a minute. But when it flies, it needs to pump more blood and get more of that going. I don't know all there is about it. I just read it. It's good science. I love good science. When it is getting, getting up to fly and flying, it's 760 beats per minute, 12 and a half. I see a cardiologist up there. That's 12 and a half times a second. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? You don't want to see that on your screen, do you, when you're, do, when you're doing something on a heart? 12 and a half times a second. It's like it's, it's crazy. Now, have you ever thought how mammals have their young and how birds have their young? Probably not because it's not something you go about thinking about every day because it's so regular, we don't think about it. But what if birds had their, their young the same way people, as mammals do? They would have to carry it. Well, how can you carry the extra weight? So what God did, he said, no, they're going to have something called eggs. They're young and be born that way. This way, they can continue to fly, and that young is not being birthed as it's growing inside that mom. And when they hatch these eggs, I'm still going to have them be able to go out and hunt and do whatever they need to do while they're brooding. 
You see, these eggs need a certain temperature so they can support life. They need so much moisture, so much gas as they come out. There's lots of things that go on with that. I've told you way more than I know, except I can tell you this, that I've also read and understand from good science. When they're expecting, when they, when they have these eggs there and before they're hatched, they begin to lose some of those downy feathers on their belly. And two or three brooding spots begin to show up. And in those spots, the skin uh, thickens. And I understand the arterial surface of, the, of those particular areas is seven times greater than what it was. So when that mama bird sitting on those eggs, science can't figure out how this happens, put that spot where those eggs are and it tells that mama the temperature of those eggs and how long she needs to be there. Can I ask you something? How long would that take just to happen? Your God that says right there, you have to connect it. It says, I'm going to create these things after their kind, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals, each of its own kind. God put together just a few of the things I share with you now that are so bizarre, so incredible, because God said it. That's the power of God. That's just a small, small example. Do you know God's word? Do you know God's word? God wants his people to know his word. In Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, God's word speaks power into our lives. When we're not reading it, we're not saying with it, we're not hiding it in our heart. We miss out on that power. We can find ways to excuse ourselves. As I said a few weeks ago, when you postpone obedience, you're living in rebellion. When you're rebelling, you're living in sin. And like Israel, well, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. I'm, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it later. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got to learn to say, I am God's personal representative, not arrogantly, but truthfully, and take responsibility to change the world. What world? Your world and my world. God doesn't expect you to change the whole world, but he wants to use you as a catalyst to change your world. And the only way he will do that and work through you, you claim his promise, you claim his power, and you speak for him. You get outside of yourself. You stop pretending it's not my business, not my right timing. You know what we do? We right time ourselves right out of the opportunity. So I ask you again, do you see difficulties and opportunities or opportunities and difficulties? They'll have a difficult time being some of the few witnesses in their school. These students will. You have some difficulties in the workplace because you go to the tolerance training. You go to the place where everyone already just assumes, of course God didn't make it. Of course God didn't. Of course these other, you know, we're going to live by feelings. Everyone's right. We're not going to tell anybody what to do. And by the way, we don't. God does though. God, does God have a right to do that? You see? And see, our world has redefined what hate is. They've redefined it. They, they, here's, here's what it is. Disagreeing equals hate. I had someone ask me that recently. If I was, what I believed about such things. If I was tolerant. I said, uh, no. I said, no, we don't believe in certain lifestyles. We believe certain things are sin. Bible says that. That's what we believe. God created us, has every right to tell us what's right or wrong. And he went on in his little rampage about da-da-da-da-da and 
we shouldn't hurt people, and da, da, da. I said, can I tell you something? Do you, are you, and the person was married. Do you ever disagree with your wife? Yes, you hate her. You hate her. Now, you have to watch who you say that to. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, disagreement doesn't equal hate. Many times, disagreement means you love someone, that you care about them so much, and you see it's what lives in me. I could compromise that in a second. Say, well, I won't say anything, or I want to have the approval of people. I'll, I, can give, I can give an answer, a slick answer, and look good. But you see, when you really love someone, what also lives in me is the Holy Spirit of God tells me if you really love someone, you love them enough to tell them the truth, even if they don't love you back. You see, that's how you know if the love of God lives in you. When you put the love of God first before the love of yourself, and you're willing to step out even if people don't like you, don't respect you, don't care about what you say, that shows you truly love them. The world is looking for some people that want to live on the love of God, not the love of self. Not agreeing because we can feel good about ourselves. That's what the world's looking for. But few people want to stand up for that. And I've thought about some of the opportunities in my life to speak and say something. Some I've missed. I don't want to miss them. I want to take advantage of them. And God wants his people to take advantage of them, period. We ask the question, do you know God's word? It says we've hid it in our heart. Has, is it hidden in your heart? Do you know that when you're depending on yourself, you just need to call up verses so you can say, God, wait a minute. Your word says you're my refuge and strength. You're a very present help in trouble. God, I'm in trouble right here. But you're my strength. Be strength through me. Psalm 46.1. God, I don't feel the peace right now. Well, you have peace with me, Joe. In Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, you have peace with God. And you have it through Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God that passes under sin will guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. You do have it. You will be my witnesses. You will get the power in Acts 1, Acts 1.8. You see, you have to know it and claim it and believe it. Not just know it in theory, but know it in practice. The church has filled with great theoreticians in pulpits and in seats. But the world's looking for people that will say, I'm really going to practice it. I'm going to live it. I want to be out there and live it. Period. Know God's word. Obey God's word. Be set free by God's word. God had to set me free from the enemy. Who Satan? No, me. I've seen me, I'm the enemy. I can be the worst enemy to the gospel if I go with my feelings, go with the things I would gravitate to in my flesh. I want to live by the Spirit, don't you? See, there's an answer for all of us. So what do you see? You see difficulties and opportunities or opportunities and difficulties. We are living in perilous days. The world standards have gone crazy. Workplaces are filled with people that come and put substance in their body and can't even function right. We have schools filled with people, educational systems filled with people that say there's really no right and wrong. We can't even decide what gender is. We let children decide it. We're living in crazy world, bizarro world. It's crazy. And the world wouldn't say that and would find this and maybe one day will. They, psh, that just got zapped off the simulcast. Hate speech. Let me say this to you. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't hate anybody. I disagree with a lot of people that disagree with God's word, but I don't hate anybody. I love them enough to tell them the truth, even if it's not reciprocated and brought back to me. That's what's true. Put that on the recording. 
standing before people or sitting before them and telling them what the greatest problem in the world is, that is it. We have allowed ourselves to get pushed into a corner and neutralized. We've sold, our, we've sold God short through more care for family than him, more care for friends or professors or systems. As I said, there are people who have been cut off by friends and family in this room and last service. And say, we can't be around you. You're part of the problem. Amazing, isn't it? Elijah's resources, the word of God. Secondly, power of prayer. Elijah had every resource we have today. Do you realize that? He had God's word, except we have the completed canon. We have the, the whole thing. He didn't have the whole thing. He also had the power of prayer. It says in James 5, 7, 517, Elijah was a man who was very different and more powerful than us. Does it say that? What does it say? Elijah was a man just like us. So let's blow the excuses out of the water right now. Say, well, he was an exception. He was exceptional. He's exceptional because he listened to God. There's some prophets that didn't. He was exceptional because he said, my God's alive and I'm his representative. And I know his word, and I'm not going to be pushed in the corner when I watch the country that's going to hell do it and keep on staying there. I want to stand up and do something about it. And if I die telling the truth, so be it. See, that's a conviction. It says Elijah was a man just like us. He wanted people to like him. Later on in the, in the word of God, it tells how he goes into depression. But he was a guy just like us, a person just like us. He prayed. Here's, here's probably the difference. He prayed... How? Say it out loud. Earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. He prayed earnestly. That's probably part of it. Because don't raise your hand, but if I ask you how many are praying earnestly for a revival in the nation, prayed earnestly, say, God, I'm praying earnestly. Use me as a representative of your kingdom today. I don't know how many hands would go up. It's not the first thing on our mind. Wake up, we've got 50 million things to do, and we can miss the most significant and important thing. We trade the important for the urgent. God says, you being my light, you being my witness is the most important thing. Don't trade the important for the urgent. God, I want to be, I believe your power will flow through me. I believe you'll give me the answers. I'm just going to go by faith. If I stand there and people just throw something at me I don't know, I'm just going to tell them, I don't have the answer for that, but I'll find one. Or I'd like to take you to coffee and talk about it further. Whatever it is. We have been pushed into silence. Look what's around us. In these crazy days in our world. That are probably the end times. I look around. I'm not trying to fool myself. Outside of a miracle. And let me just say this. And God's in the miracle business. Because I would have said this back in Elijah's day. It's over. It's not going to happen. What can God do through one person? That's why the series is Elijah. One man and his God. I would say it's over. And ladies and gentlemen, outside of God, people say, are you approaching the cliff yet and gone over? We've gone over. If you don't believe it, look and see what's out there on the books right now. Now, having said that, what do you see? Difficulties and opportunities are opportunities and difficulties. There's more time than ever for us to stand and be able to tell the truth. Because a lot of people are scratching their head. They don't want to buy into all the lies. But you're kind of forced into, well, I guess it's all right. This is be and let be. 
Glad Jesus wouldn't like that. Glad the early church wouldn't like that. You see, they turned the world upside down because they were like Elijah. They were sold out that God is alive, He's His representative, and they're supposed to act in His behalf, period. He prayed earnestly. So what does your prayer life look like? If it doesn't include, God, I want to be used powerfully. Would you use me today? You've asked me to be light. I just want to be obedient. You asked me to be soft. I want to be obedient. You asked me to have an answer. Everyone asked me the reason that I hope is in me. I just want to be obedient today. And you're standing in a world that is looking for someone that had the conviction and the guts and the courage filled with the Spirit of God to tell the truth. That's the world we live in. You see, he knew Deuteronomy 11... 6, 16, and 17. And he prayed that. What are you praying for lost people? It says in John 16, he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Be praying for people. They would get that conviction on them. They're stuck in their own comfort. They feel comfortable. That's for you, Joe, and for the people in your church. But I'm really enlightened, and I'm comfortable in what I believe. Dear friend, you can be comfortable all the way to hell. And the devil wants you comfortable and wants you even right now to negate that statement. You see, your comfort doesn't prove truth, nor does mine. The Word of God speaks truth. And through its historicity and its prophecy and the words that tell me about where the time we live in and what's taking place, it has proven itself to be true archaeologically and tons of other ways. It's God's Word. God tells us what we're supposed to be about. Elijah's resource, of course, the Word of God is the power of prayer and it's the ability to believe. It's an incredible thing that we have the ability to to believe. You see, Elijah was a man just like us. And he had the power to believe or not believe. He had to make some decision of what he's going to do or not do. How would you like that job? You're going up to the one that can take your head off in a second and tell, deliver that news. He had the ability to believe. Churches, I said, they're filled with a lot of saved people, but a lot of unbelievers. Do you believe? You see, when you believe, you can look at the journal and you can see God, you brought this opportunity to me today, and I walk through it. And sometimes they'll be small. You may just pray a blessing with someone in the line someplace. You may see a conversation start. You may just make an invite at work. You may begin to build seeds with someone. But we have a responsibility to do it. Because if we're not doing it, who is? Well, as you had another resource called the Holy Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, the people were not sealed with the Spirit of God where he remained in them. He came to them in Second Chronicles. You see a passage where he comes into someone, but then he leaves. They weren't sealed with him. Second Chronicles, I believe, is twelve eighteen. Amasaw comes into him, but then he leaves. We weren't sealed. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit hasn't gotten weaker over the years. It's the Holy Spirit of God, and when you're willing to open up your mouth, things may come out of it. It'll shock you, as God knows what that person needs and brings forth an answer. But he wants us to speak up. Here's what the word of God says. We either believe it or we don't. But you will receive power. Dunamis is the Greek word. Get dynamite from it. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power. Do you believe you receive the power? Answer. Yes. And you, with that power, parenthetically, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What he says. That's what the power is to be used for. We use it for a million other things. We use it to justify ourselves, use it to do a million other things. And there's lots of other things we need to do. In the process of working in the world, putting roof overhead, we rub souls with lots of different people of all worldviews. Be a light there, in your school, in your office, in your neighborhood, with your family. And yes, sometimes 
it's going to cost you something. And Jesus said it would. He said it would. And that's how he defines if you really know him or you don't know him. How you deal with that. Holy Spirit has the same power. Holy Spirit helps us even to pray. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. We've prayed the same thing so many times. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just goes before us. Sometimes I've just asked God, God, through your Holy Spirit, just read, you know what my heart's wanting and desiring. Just pray that for me. But the Holy Spirit also is grieved through disobedience. The same word it used for grieving of someone who died. It's grief. He's got the death of someone that got robbed of their testimony, robbed of their power. They died. They disobeyed through apathy. They disobeyed not because they said, you know, I don't do the bad stuff. That's not being a believer. Apathy is the opposite of belief. Apathy is. Because when you're apathetic, that means you're not buying into what the Lord and Savior of this world said. That's the opposite of Christianity. It's apathy. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We have the power. We have the prayer. We have the ability to believe. And we have God's word. All of that. God says, we have the same power available to us as the mighty prophet had. And even more of his word. And what are we going to do with it? If you believe that God has made you his personal representative, then you have to look at those four areas of your life. You're able to have it. You can take them home and outline for them, look at it and say, God, through each of these areas, I need to claim you. I need to wake up in your word. I need to wake up saying, God, I am your representative. And then just work it through that day. Everybody's day is different. Not all going to be the same. And yes, some days you'll have bad hair days, okay? Right? Just going to be like that. Men, women, children, whatever. Just going to be like that. Where did Elijah learn what he learned? He believed God was alive and he was his representative. He was persistent with that. There's a general that was a major force in World War II, General Douglas MacArthur. This book, this magazine, Life Magazine, was written almost five weeks after his, the most famous quote from this particular general. This is May 4th, advertising for Coke on the back for five cents. <laughs> Nickel, how about that? We're selling that after the service. No, Okay. He had a famous quote. General Douglas MacArthur was in the Philippines. They had to vacate the Philippines. The United States of America, the Japanese forces had invaded. They they had to leave. It was quite, if you're a general, when you're retreating like that, that's not what you want to do. But he said to them, and it's his famous words, it's quoted, you can look at it and find it in different places. Some of you students of history already know. Some of you don't. But he said to those people, I shall return. And this is right after we get into World War II, and there were some dark years. It was hard. But they made inroads and inroads, and it was tough a life at a time. And one day, General Douglas MacArthur set foot back in the Philippines. War is coming to a close. I shall return. Many people attribute that to the fact, well, of course he was someone that persevered. He graduated from West Point. And no doubt West Point gave him 
some of that leadership ability and style to be able to say those things and pull through on that promise. What many people don't know is when Douglas MacArthur, civilian, applied to West Point, they said, no, you can't come. You don't cut it. And so MacArthur said, you know what? I'm not going to take that. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to apply again. And lo and behold, they rejected him again. That's right, twice. I wonder what would have happened if he just gave up. I wonder what would have happened, even the islands and the war. You see, it's so pivotal that we see opportunities in the difficulties. And it was difficult in the Philippines. But he learned perseverance before we ever got in to the real deal. He ends up going there. He ends up becoming a general. And you know the rest of the story. And he did return. Learned perseverance. Decided, God, you know what? I want to do. I want to be what I'm supposed to be. I just thank you, God, for your word that helps me. Thank you. Today, as pastors come forward... If you're one of our members up here along this rail and upstairs on the table, are there still cards on those tables upstairs? Yes, thank you. And we have more down here. These cards simply say, be a guest of. There's a place to write your name in. It tells both hours right there. You can see it on there. It tells Saturday, I mean, it tells Sunday, and it tells Thursday. It's got the times on there. You can write your name in there. How do you use it, Pat? You see people in line. Sometimes they're in line getting a cup of coffee. You know what? Say to the person in front of you or to the person at the counter, put their, put their coffee on my tab today. Freak them out. Commit a random act of blessing in the name of Jesus. What if you're already a believer, Pastor? Was it such a bad thing to spend two bucks on a fellow believer and encourage them? What if they're not? And with that is leave and say, hey, I don't know if you have a church home or not, but I'd love for you to come. I love my church and what God's doing there. I'm sorry, I can't come. I I work on Sundays. Yes, but it says right there, Thursday too. Come on Thursday. You can write a little note in the back. God can use it. Don't even wait for me to say, stand and come up and get a card. They're over there in front of this. Seats over here, they're along the front. And they're on the baptistry and they're upstairs. Get one, two, three, five. Put one or two in your car. Put some in your wallet. Put some in your purse. Say, God, I want to be your representative today. There's a lot of other ways to do it, but this is just one. And today, God, I want to commit for your leadership to use that. I'd love nothing more to buy 5,000 more. It's wonderful. So that's part of today's response. I want to connect the idea the dynamic of the truth I just said and give you a very tangible way to at least reach out because some in this room have never reached out to a person in their life. I don't mean that as an indictment. I mean it as a springboard. How exciting would it be? Take one, two, three, five of these. Ten if you want. They make more. Use them. Ask God to use you in that. Secondly, if you don't have a church home, We'd love for you to be part of this church. We want to be an answer, not someone that just has a bunch of theory and no action. 
we'd love for you to come, but we're looking for people who at least want to be earnest in their faith. Not perfect, but earnest. If you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the only way to heaven, we'd love to receive you as a candidate for membership. Come forward today. If you'd love to receive Christ into your life today, coming forward will not save you, but believing what I talked about with Christ will save you. We'd just love to know about it. We'd like for you to come forward. If you're watching on the simulcast, you can do that right where you are. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying and paying my penalty on the cross, paying for all of my sins. You suffered, bled, and died. You suffered my hell and rose from the tomb three days later. I received the gift of eternal life today, Jesus. Help me now to live the abundant life with you. It may not be easy. There are times it may be tough. But I want to live it with you and for you. I want to please you. God will bless your life. Whatever your decision today, come up, grab some of these cards, pray with pastors if you want to pray with them or deacons. We're here. Terry's here to lead us. Please don't wait. Respond as God has spoken this truth into our hearts today. Come up and get those cards.